Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Our guest today is Remy Adelecki. He was born to Nigerian royalty and began life surrounded by luxury, privilege, and security. But when his father suddenly died, the Nigerian community and relatives in the U.S. turned their backs on his American mother. With nowhere to turn, Remy's family entered a very different kind of life when they moved to the Bronx in New York City. His youth was marked by bad choices, but he always knew that there was something greater in store for him. He answered that higher calling by joining the Navy and rising to become an elite Navy SEAL. He served his country for more than 10 years when that higher power interceded again. Without any acting experience, Remy was chosen by blockbuster director Michael Bay for a starring role in Transformers The Last Night. Today, in addition to his film work, Remy is a model, a husband, a father, and a best-selling author. So let's get ready for an inspirational riches to rags to riches story as we rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Remy Adelecki. I got your book in my hands, Transformers, um, about 40 hours ago. Yeah. Opened the book up, didn't stop reading until I was done. <laughs> Swear to God. Is, and you know, it's funny because uh, I get that message every day, multiple times. Mm-hmm. I picked up the book to just read like the first chapter, and I read the whole book. <laughs> it, 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 it moves. It really has a kind of life of its own when you start reading it. It's really yeah. well done. You know, I'm a writer, so I just try, I, and, and I have a short attention span, so I wanted to write it in a way that would help people like me with short attention spans, you know, <laughs> hold. <laughs> so It's yeah. a lovely story, and, and you know, you. it's and we had some similarities in growing up, except that your mother was much, much fiercer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my parents told me after some period of time, because I was a major pain in their ass, yeah, yeah. you don't want to go to school, don't. Oh, so wow. I dropped out of high school. I never went back, moved out of my house yeah. and, you know, went on and had a successful career. But it was a hard yeah. path. Well, yeah. Your mom was in your business <laughs> yeah, and she, she stayed on you. <laughs> and it sounds to me like the uh, love that she has for you and your yeah. brother are just overwhelming. And Absolutely. so what a lovely place to come from. Yeah. No, she's so. amazing. She's amazing. So. Do you remember your dad? Uh, little things, you know, uh, I get flashbacks depending on like when I see a picture or, you know, you know how when you're around certain things, it just brings back those memories. Mm, yeah. So little things. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You lost him at such a young age. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to lose your dad. Do you remember that life though? Do you remember little bits and pieces little of bits that and life? Pieces. One of the biggest pieces I remember from that time was Jane, our nanny, uh, because we spent so much time with her. So she's like the most prominent memory that I mm-hmm. have during that time, just mm-hmm. her being with us, taking us to the park out back, you know, giving us baths, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I overwhelmingly felt in reading the book that your mom is such a such a gift. Yeah, I mean, she what is. an amazing person <laughs> yeah. that she loved you and your brother so fiercely. Yeah. And to go from means to no means yeah, yeah. H- harshly, sharply. Yeah. yeah. 
and to pull herself out and raise you guys. And yeah. you may not obviously, you know, when the readers read your book, they're going to know you gave her a little bit of aggravation. Yeah, a hard time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put on a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of aggravation. Well, and your life was like a roller – has been and yeah. like a roller coaster. It was yeah. riches to challenges yeah. to – uh, it sort of honoring your gifts and going into the military yeah, yeah. and then realizing there were gifts beyond that yeah. and, and endowing them with your time and yeah. your focus and attention. It, there's also yeah. a lot of serendipity in yeah. your story. Yeah, absolutely. And that you have so many people that have crossed your path and yeah. kept you on, on, on path. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when you, when you live life, you live life at full speed. Right, because it's just even the more busy you get, it's just like boom, 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 boom. But when you're writing your story – Everything is in slow motion, <laughs> right? Because you're mm-hmm. sitting and you're typing and you're really reflecting. And so as I was writing, I didn't realize how many people came into my life and helped make my life what it is. And I was just blown away. I was just like, wow, like Tiana Reyes, HM2 Brown, my mom, Andoki, you know, HM1 Roscoe, the guy who helped me get back to this. It was like, that was my, that's my life story. People coming in and giving me that extra push or opening up that door. And so I never really realized that until I wrote the book and then finished writing the mm-hmm. book. So your abundance is people as much as it is the obvious material Absolutely. abundance of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to this day, even with how the whole, the whole book came together, you know, it was Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, Kathy Lee Gifford, you know, I went on a Today Show to promote Transformers and write live on air. She says, you need to write a book and it needs to be made into a movie. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> when we get off the air, she pulls me aside and she says, you know, I'm serious, Remy, you need to write a book. Like, your story's inspiring. And I told her no, and she said, why? And I said, well, in the SEAL teams, there's a stigma attached to Navy SEALs who write books, and I've had a pretty good reputation in the community. I don't want, you know, writing a book to tarnish my reputation. And she kind of got in my in my face, and she was like, that's kind of silly. Like, like I know your heart. I know your heart wouldn't be to beat your chest and talk about all these missions. I know your heart would be to, you know, share your story and inspire people. And next thing you know, she took me to the publisher, and that's how I got my publishing. Wow. With wow. Collins. Yeah. And she so, was just going to make you do that. She was going to make you do, do the book. Yeah. That's incredible. And so, you know, that just goes to, you know, all of these other people who are in the book, who came into my life, who got me to where I'm at today. So that's the, that's the story of my yeah. life. You know? I really appreciated the kind of raw honesty in the front part of the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I have to say this because um, I wrote to Rebecca about it. I was really charged when I read it because yeah. when I had my second child, my identity was stolen mm. at the hospital and oh, okay. sold to 16 people. Wow. And post-C-section, I hobbled around New York City getting affidavits of identity yeah, yeah. and trying to fix the damage that had been done yeah, by yeah. the theft of my social date of date birth, birth and name. Hopefully it wasn't me. And yeah, well, you know, it crossed, it crossed, my, it crossed my mind, right? Yeah. I don't think it was the same time frame. It was 2004. Okay, so yeah. I think you were out of that business by yeah, then, yeah, but the system that supports it and the, you know, you were so completely honest yeah. about your motivations yeah. to get into it yeah, yeah. and then your motivations to get out of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought, wow, this is of service to somebody who um, admires you as an actor yeah. who might be on the fringes or in the middle of doing the same thing yeah, yeah. to really think about it. No, absolutely. You know, 100%. I mean, it made me mad in the moment. I was yeah, a little yeah. cross with I'm you, let's just say. I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't do it to me, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But in the journey, in the journey of life, being really clear and putting it out there is a beautiful thing, That's, I have you, to say. You know, I started out speaking years ago. And before I started, I listened to a lot of different speakers. And I found that the speakers that touched me the most were the speakers that were raw, authentic, and truthful. Like the speakers who would say stuff that can embarrass them. 
or hurt them. And so when I got into speaking, that's what I would do. And I remember I would get on stages and people would be like, man, I can't believe you shared that story that you did that. I can't believe you shared the story. You cried. I can't like, but it touched me. Yeah. You know, because when you're vulnerable, that connects with people. They can relate to that. Right. You know? And so when I was writing a book, I was just like, I could tell my story one of two ways. I could either tell it to glorify me, edify me and show how good I am, or I could tell it in a way to glorify and edify other people. And how you do that is by being raw, by being authentic and vulnerable and vulnerable, because I wanted people to be able to pick up the book and and see themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, or potentially see their future or see their kids and say, wow, case in point, you know, I get asked the question all the time, Remy, are you scared that you're going to go to jail or you're going to get charged for the crimes that you did that you talk about with the cell phone stuff? And I was like, you know what? That thought has crossed my mind. And if it happens, it happens. I take responsibility for what I did. But I need I wanted it to be in the book because I wanted people to see that people do transform. Right. People do change. Well, when people are given an opportunity, they either go to the left or they go to the right. And you chose to go to the right. Yeah. 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 And and just the the reality that is a young a young man mm-hmm. even today has a lot of opportunities to yeah. to do the wrong things yeah. or and maybe even to go deep into doing them but there's a way out yeah when i heard your story mm-hmm. you, i think that there are millions of people that have had things along the way that uh. have come into their lives but the overwhelming feeling that i got in hearing this is that Somebody came along to you either spiritually or mm-hmm. personally yeah. and helped you to turn the corner. I think that that happens to a lot of people. Some people just don't know how to hear the sign yeah. and to say, this is a path for me. And that happened to you. You woke up. You yeah. said, I need to get into the armed services. Yeah, yeah. Who does that? Yeah. You know, who does that? Like, yeah. Nobody does yeah. that. Yeah. What were the, what, <laughs> you know? But what were the thoughts that went into that? Like the, I think it was a divine intervention. Yeah, for me, it was like at the time I thought it was my subconscious. Something with this presence, this force, this, my subconscious is telling me you need to do something. Well, in retrospect, I truly believe it was it was God. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I truly believe that God had had and has a plan for my life. And though I was crazy, <laughs> he knew that he knew I, where I would end up and he knew what he had to do to get me to get to where I needed to go. Did you, know? you surprise yourself in those early days? Oh, I, I surprised myself every day of my life. I did a lot of dumb stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking more on the positive side of surprising oh. yourself. Yeah, I mean, in that moment when I joined the military, that was a surprise. That's a, I mean, yeah. in today's like, day to do that yeah. is a big step. I yeah. mean, there's a total, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of people joined mm-hmm. the armed services because it was a good way to get an education, yeah. was a good way to get out and see the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. But today, at your age, to have done that was a very, very big step. Yeah. And yeah. to have the level of success that you've had. Yeah. And How, to become a SEAL. I mean, let's be serious. I mean, yeah. that is so funny hard yeah. <laughs> to do that. And, yeah. and and I felt your pain when you talked about your swimming experience. Oh, yeah, Can you share that? Can you share that with the audience yeah, who haven't part, read which, the book? Which part? Which part? All of it. Well, just like, for, for me, it's sort of like that moment where you decided and then going into the first phase of it and then the second phase of it, which was, okay, I'm almost going to quadruple down and become a SEAL. So, you know, after I had this, I felt this, this presence pushing me to join the military, I... Uh, I kind of there was a battle within me because you know I, I hated the military, I hated the government, I associated anybody in a uniform as the police. I hated the police, and I didn't like authority. Like my clothes baggy, my hats backwards. <laughs> so um, still do, still do. <laughs> uh, not baggy, not baggy, hats backwards. but backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I ran down the street. I grew up on Fordham Road, and uh, you know, first I went to Marine Corps recruiter's office, and 
he wasn't there. They, I mean, somebody was there, but they weren't there. So I sat there for 15 minutes and no one showed up. So I got up and left and went to the Navy recruiter's office. And there was this Navy recruiter there, Tiana Reyes. And one of the first things that I had to do was I had to take a practice ASVAP test because I had to make sure that I was I could qualify academically to even join the military. So ASVAP stands for? Academic... Something, something, something. It's, it's, it's like what, what yeah. your school level is, what your IQ yeah, it's is. Like what high, your, it's like, yeah, IQ tests. It's, everything is like high school, senior level. Scholastic ability. Yeah, kind exactly. Of. Mm-hmm. You know, so you do, you know, mathematics, math, uh, arithmetic, reasoning, um, reading, comp- mathematical comprehension, engineering. So just uh, just stuff to make sure you're, you're not. Did that happen yeah. on the day you went there? She had yeah, you sit yeah the so test? she sat me at the computer. And it's short. It's like a quick 15-minute pretest. And then once you past that then they can start moving forward and then when you get to MEPS you take the full on test got it you know so they just want to make sure that you could pass this pretest because if you can't you can't join the military and a lot of people fail the pretest mainly a lot of people in the inner cities do you know just because the education Terrible system is what system. it is yeah it's horrible that we all pay a fortune for exactly and nobody can go to school yeah yeah I, I, one thing I hope that you know writing this book I hope that you know it'll reach people of high influence who can who pick it up and say you know what Something needs to change in the in the public education system and in the city. Like you know, whether it's at the government level, somebody in in a high leadership in the government, or you know, even senators. Like something has to change, right? Because it's an epidemic, and where you it's get your education, yeah. that 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 sets your foundation yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know? So let's go back to the test. So we. Oh, so, sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 yeah. I passed the test, and then uh, next thing she does is she run, runs my background and make sure I'm have a clear record. Um, she finds out I have two and warrants out for my arrest. And that McDonald's event. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've had the McDonald's event. You know, I had the, and it was something else. I can't remember what it was. The second warrant, and one of the warrants were, uh, was in Jersey. The other one was in New York. And uh, I got up to get ready to leave because at this point I'm thinking she's going to turn me into the police, which she was supposed to do. And what were those warrants about? Because the yeah. audience hasn't yeah, read yeah, the, the book. Yeah, yeah. The one warrant was for um, disobeying a lawful order. Because you and your public, buddies were just public. there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was a stupid charge. And they were just charge. looking for you and, you know. Yeah, it was a dumb charge. It was a dumb charge. But that was a charge that could have ended my mm-hmm. career, you know. Well, ended my hopes for the military. So anyway, she she runs that and I get ready to get up and leave. And she stops me at the door and she says, do you have a suit? And I say, no. She says, do you have a, a, a collared shirt and some nice pants? And I say, yeah. She said, well, come back tomorrow. I come back the next day. She's in her dress uniform. And she takes me to both judges, the judge in New Jersey, the judge in New York, and advocates on my behalf. She stands there in front of him and she says, you know, this guy made mistakes, but he has potential. Like, I want him to join the military. Like, can you do something for him? Both judges unanimously said, okay, if this guy is serious about turning his life around, you know, yes, we will expunge his record, but you have to pay the court fees and court fines. That was huge. That was really, that was really a lot huge of money. for me. And you yeah. weren't selling phones anymore. And so I wasn't selling phones. I was dead broke. So you didn't have right. as much money yeah. as you used to have. Yeah, yeah. So. But at the same time, it was like the thing that you feared the most that you were on the verge of running away from was the very thing that cleared the path for you. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That was my exit. That was, And then she went a step further and she fudged all the paperwork at the MEPS in order to, to get me into the Navy. And the next thing you know, I'm in the Navy. I found out after writing the book that she had died four years after I that. I heard that. I yeah. read that in your book. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever talk to her again after that no, happened? No, no. Like, you know, um, when you go into the military, everything, going back to how life is just so fast-paced, you know, I just, I, I forgot her name. Uh, and then I remember I went back my first time back in New York. I went straight to the recruiter's office, and by the time I went to go visit her, and I went there, she was gone. She had been moved somewhere else. 
But that's she when you got her name, right? I got her name after yeah. after writing the book. After writing oh, the book, really? Yeah. Okay. After writing the book, I uh, went. I found my military records and I found her signature uh, on my military records of her signing me into the Navy, and, and I Google her name, and that's when I found out. I wonder but, how many other people who she impacted. A lot. Her and her fans. As a matter of fact, I got pictures of her. Her daughter, her Sierra. Um, her family sends me pictures of her daughter. Yeah. And so I'm so close to the fan. But her brother told me that that's what she would do. She would. She was from the Bronx. And she knew that uh, a lot of people from the Bronx, well, most people from the Bronx wouldn't get an opportunity with their background. And so she made it her responsibility to, to get people in the Navy who had bad records or who were on the verge of to getting bad records to, to give a path. chance. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. so beautiful. I loved your yeah. mom's response to that. I think I would have done exactly the same thing your mom did. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was yeah. afraid. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she freaked out. It's um, it's a it's a. I mean, from what you were doing yeah. to what you did was a big thing. But yeah. did you know that you were that guy that when you got into the navy that you would just be single focused on getting what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, ever <laughs> since I was young, you know, when I and to this day, if I want something, I'm going to make it happen. You know what I mean? If I say I'm going to be a Navy SEAL, there's no turning back. <laughs> I you know, and I think that comes from. My dad, you know, my dad was, you guys know the story, my dad, when he was like, I'm going to make an island, nothing stopped him. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Think about that, right? You know what I mean? What a mind. What yeah. a mind your dad had. Yeah. And so I'm the son of a man who created an island. So, you know, my, my his blood runs through my veins. And so for me, you know, it's just, it's just natural for me when I have an idea or I want to do something to commit and do it. I don't care what it is. You know, and yeah. um, that that's just my life. You know, I loved how you kept swimming and swimming and swimming because no was never going to be the right answer. Yeah. No was never going to be the right answer. No, no. You know? And I had a lot of horrible swims. I get nightmares. Like, seriously, people ask me, do you have PTSD? You know, I've gone to war and I've done stuff and been overseas. And literally most of my nightmares doesn't come from the stuff that I did downrange as a seal. It comes from like buds. Like I wake up, like I have a dream that. I'm in buds day one all over again. I'm just like, no, because I know it's coming. <laughs> can, can you tell the audience what buds is? Buds is basic underwater demolition seal training. Uh, it's 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 the toughest military training known to man. It's horrible. I mean, it, it literally it's you really got to be there and experience it to fully understand. It there, there are times horrible. when I was in seal training, I was like, this can't be legal. What they're doing to us? What's what's happening? In give to- us a, a little picture. I mean, torture. I mean, one of the one of the ways they torture you is with with the water. So they'll make you go out into the ocean and lay down for you don't know how long, strip down to your underwears. It's freezing cold. Um, Floating in the water? Just yeah, laying in the surf zone, waves washing over you, and it's it's just freezing. And um, and guys just quit, you know, because physically it's one thing to get hammered with, like, runs and push-ups and obstacle courses and all of these things just to get put because they push you. They push you past any limit you have. But it's another thing to lay in cold water and not exert yourself. You know, that really gets in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then there are so many different mind games they play with you. And um, when you're in that water, it's like it's either you're on the verge of hypothermia or you get – I got hypothermia a lot, you know, because I had no body fat, you know. And so I was – you know, I was I was always getting hypothermia. I know this is a silly question, but yeah. what exactly does that feel like? I mean, before it starts setting in, it's just horrible because you're freezing cold. Uh, and then as time passes, you stop shaking and then your body just goes numb and then you go in. I mean, you lose it. You, yeah. you, you're, you you're awake, no but fact. you're not conscious. You, you know? exercise in like crazy people nonstop. Yeah. yeah. They feed you shitty food. Yep. 
And yeah. you and then they yeah. send you out into the ocean and let you, you freeze your butt off. Let you freeze. And the purpose yeah. of all of this is to put you in circumstances that might simulate the worst circumstances of being in the field of battle. No, uh, or what yeah, is it? Yes and no. So the, the purpose of it is to one is to weed out the weak. Right. They, they're trying to find those who are so meant every single guy who so shows up to SEAL training physically, you can make it through like every guy who f- shows up to SEAL training you because you have to pass a physical screening test, which consists of a 500 yard swim, a certain amount of push ups, certain amount of sit ups, certain amount of pull ups and a mile and a half run in boots and pants and under a certain amount of time. You can't get into SEAL training without passing that test. So for every guy that shows up to SEAL training, he has essentially told the Navy, I am physically qualified to be a Navy SEAL. The question now becomes, are you mentally qualified to be a Navy SEAL? 90, 95% of SEAL training is not physical. You do physical stuff, but they use the physical stuff to break you down mentally. And so what they're trying to do is they're, re- they're either A, trying to get rid of the guys who are not mentally so strong that they, they can deal with anything that's thrown their way, or B, it's to strengthen those guys who who are mentally strong, but to add that extra layer of strength mm-hmm, to their mm-hmm, mind. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be capable when you go when you do the job that you do, you have to be capable to operate in any environment, any environment. You have to be capable of going into a situation where, you know, you outnumbered, you know, you're outgunned, <laughs> but mentally, you know, I'm going in and I'm going to win. Yeah. Push past any yeah. apprehension and just go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it, and so that's what it is. It's a vetting process. It's a vetting process. How many people finished off with you that started with well, the you? class I graduated with started with 270. Only 29 guys graduated. And that's the way it is every oh class. God. Every class is 20, 30, 29. They all start with 270. Some class, one class, two classes, like 300 guys. So where did that come from, your fierce determination to not be one of those guys that didn't ring, that didn't ring the bell? Um, I, You know, a few things. I think one, the primary thing that always comes to mind is my mom, right? So my mom, and I don't share this story in my book, but right after my dad died, and I tried to fit this in the book just in the work, but right after my dad died, um, my mom called up a cousin of hers and, and um, he lived in part of New York that's upscale, very nice part of New York. I'm just being vague because I don't want to give it, you know. I'm not going to guess. <laughs> tell people who it is. But, and she called him up and she said, hey, my husband has just died. I have no money to my name. I have a nick. I don't, I don't have a way to feed these kids. I need just, can you just loan me some money? This person says, let me call you back in five minutes. Five minutes later, this person's wife calls my wife, my mom back and says, how dare you call up my husband and ask my husband for money? Who the heck do you think you are oh my God. to call up my husband? I don't care if your husband And these died. were people of means that could have easily given your mom easily. five grand or a thousand or whatever. Easily. easily. No she, sweat on and their and back. And instead of being kind and generous, she was horrible. Yep. And then, and then she, she said, don't you ever call up my, my husband ever again and ask her for money. If you want something, you come through me. And she hangs up the phone to my mom. So- here, my mom's husband just died. She has two kids to take care of, and now she's just been. And it, it you know, how embarrassing it is to have to ask somebody oh, for money. Oh yeah. So you know, and then it's embarrassing to have to ask and then to be treated in such a way. She was, but what that did for her was, and she told me that she said that strengthened me so much because once that happened, I realized that no one's going to come for me. No one's going to help me. I need to do this on my own. And I will never be in this position ever again for the rest of my life. And my mom, like she persevered. She worked multiple jobs. She, she was a teacher. Oh, she, she sounds an business. amazing person. Yeah, amazing, she, amazing. Yeah, you got to follow her on Instagram. She, I was so <laughs> impressed with her. Yeah. I'd love book. to get her in and 
Yeah, you got to interview. Chat with yeah, her. she's a, she, she's a, she's super intelligent. She's a fitness. She does. She does. She's it. just the kind of person we like to talk to. Yeah. So well, we she, talk to people, uh, you know, who've written books like yeah. yourself. We sometimes talk to people who are just remarkable people. Yeah, too. yeah. She's definitely. She has a lot of nuggets, but yeah. she. That's where I get it from, you know, because people ask me all the time, where do you get your perseverance, your resilience from? And it's like I had a living example of it every single day of my life, like literally. Like I was able to watch a woman who could turn water into wine, you know what I'm saying? Did she ever fall in love and find another man to love? No, she never married. She's been she single. She loved you. It, it yeah. felt like she really loved your dad. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she did. And um, she never remarried. She still doesn't have a desire to remarry. She's happy. She lost the love of her life. Yeah, she yeah. was probably mad at him too. Yeah, yeah. you know, because he could have yeah, he yeah. could have done something about what was physically wrong with him and yeah, paid attention to yeah. it. We don't know if that's why he passed away, but yeah, yeah. we can assume that yeah. it didn't help. Yeah, no, absolutely, you know? absolutely. So you hear there you are in the book. You say that your mom was like, "No, you're not doing that." Yeah, and you did it. Yeah, and then she must have had some long, scary nights while you were out there. We talking about pre Navy or post-Navy? no? Post. While you were in the Navy, no, while I was in the Navy yeah. and you graduated, no, I, she from just had scary nights all the time. Yeah, you know, she's always been had a positive mindset. I think, like after I made it through SEAL training, I think she was just like, "Wow!" She was so proud of me. She came to my graduation. Oh. It's so funny, like at the ceremony. <laughs> There's not many African-Americans. I think I was like around the 50th in the history of the SEAL teams, African-American. And it's always less than 1%. I was the only African-American in my graduating class. So at the graduation ceremony, it's only like 10 black people, right? And they're all like my family, right? And uh, the guy who's in charge of the ceremony, he gives his awesome speech. And before, you know, we all come up and get our trident pin and get our certificates. And then he says, all right, when we start calling up the names... Hold your applause until the end. Nobody say anything. No cheering. We just ask out of respect for each each person that you don't say anything until the entire class has received their trident. And it's and Adelaide is my last name. The first so to go. So you were the first one. I was the first. The officers went first. Okay. In alphabetical order, and then then listed guys went first. So, well, maybe I did go first. So they didn't do it in alphabet. They did it alphabetical order for the entire class, not just all. And my mom and if she just starts screaming. <laughs> I love this it. This is right after the guy says, please don't hold please your applause. Don't. I'm like, oh, like, man. I know they like, oh, black people. <laughs> but uh, oh, I yeah, love that story. And, and then the rest of my family starts cheering and clapping. And oh. Everybody looks at them like, what? I like, love what that doing, story. You know? <laughs> um, but she was, she was so proud because I wasn't supposed to be there. You know what I mean? And she yeah. knew that. So I think after I got into the teams, she was just like, I know my son's going to be fine. Like, mm. you know, I know mm-hmm. he's with the best. I know, you know, so she never really stressed out a word. God, you know I mean? that's so fantastic. Yeah. And your brother? My brother's doing fantastic. He, uh, engineer. He never decided to follow you into the SEALs? <laughs> no, no, no. Wasn't no, tempted no. in any way. No, no, I let my brother do that. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, no, my brother, he, uh, he's a year older than me. So, you know, after he graduated high school, he went straight to, he got a full ride academic scholarship to study engineering in Syracuse, Syracuse mm-hmm. University. And then he went from there to, um, he got his master's at Syracuse University in computer science engineering. And then he just became a big engineer. So he's, he's worked for, the Department of Energy, GE, was his first job. And now he works in, in Saudi Arabia for Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. wow. So, yeah, wow. He, helps, he works on their systems to help find, find oil in the ground and pull it out. He's a brilliant guy, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant guy. That's so, so fantastic. So how many years did you um, do the SEAL gig? And 
Yeah, what so, were the years? So I was in the it? Navy from 2002 to 2016, so <laughs> roughly 13 years. Wow. Um, and um, I was a SEAL for about seven and a half of those years. Wow. So that was a that was a career. Yeah. That was a real career. Because yeah. sometimes you hear and people are in like four years or yeah. whatever. 13 years is a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah, what kept you in it? Well, a big part of it in the beginning was chasing chasing this idea of becoming a SEAL. Right. You know? So, you know, I went. And you yeah. had some in and out moments yeah, there. Yeah. And so I got in. I trained to go to BUDS, got the BUDS. About halfway through, got kicked out of BUDS, went back to 1st Marine Division, trained to get back to BUDS, got back to BUDS two years later, made it through. So a good part of it. I mean, I, I would say the first half of my career in the Navy was all chasing this dream to be mm. a SEAL. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last part was all Tours. Or doing the job of a SEAL. Mm-hmm. So that's what kept me in it. You know, you I mean? were laser focused. No was not the right answer. Nah, it never is for me. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I'm the same yeah, way. No yeah, is never the right yeah, answer. Yeah. I love how people start with no. I like, no, let's start with yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. like if you can't, that, like, and that's my thing. And I, I heard I partner with a, a organization called Wisdom Capture. I do talks with them and motivational stuff with them sometimes. And they played this video of this guy who used to work for, who used to be mentored by Walt Disney. And he said that when people would come to Walt Disney and say, we can't do something, he would always say, respond with, no, it's not we can't, it's how can we find a solution to do something? Like that was <laughs> always right. his response because mm-hmm. there's nothing on this planet that can't really be done. Like even if we say, you know, well, human beings can't fly. Well, the reality is there's a way to figure out how human beings can right. fly, whether it's a jet pack or whether it's getting on a plane or whether it's yeah. parachuting, whatever, you know. So he, Walt Disney was always about finding a way around that wall, you know. And so I think that that's my mindset. You know, when people say, oh, we can't do this or no. No, there is a way. You just you're just gonna probably even just look at me becoming a seal, right? I was not qualified in any way to be a seal. I couldn't swim. I didn't have the academic scores, and I was skinny. And right? you probably never thought about being a seal when you were sixteen or seventeen, or probably yeah. never in your life until you had divine intervention that yeah. said, "Let's go into the armed services." Well, the idea kind of popped in my mind through a film, The Rock. You know, early on, I watched a movie, and that movie kind of planted the seed that if I ever turned my life around, I would be a seal. But fast forward to that time, yeah. But, but after that time had passed between that and the Navy, then I was like, "Yeah, that." It's not happening, right? But you were having too much fun driving your car 100 yeah, miles an hour down yeah, the yeah, getting crazy, <laughs> speeding on the, the Virginia. But you know, I, I was unqualified in every way, but I didn't let can't stop me. I just like, okay, I just need to do the extra hard work in order to overachieve these deficiencies so I could become what I want to become. And you know, that's what happens when you have a dream or you want to do something. There is no, no, you're not qualified. There is, okay. You're not qualified now, but let's get qualified. Let's go around and figure mm-hmm. out. So mm-hmm. that's how I try to live my life. It was mm-hmm. so genuine when you said it, mm-hmm. when the swimming hole, with this whole swimming thing yeah, yeah. was so interesting to yeah. me and such a compelling salute. You know, you just mm-hmm. know it was not going to be yeah, happening, yeah. but you didn't know how to swim. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you, when you decided to go into the seals, let's yeah, talk yeah. about the fact that you spent a lot of time in, <laughs> in the, the water, water a lot of time, and yeah. you were, you didn't know how to swim and yeah. you overcame that yeah. in an amazing, please talk about that. Yeah. You know, so uh, like, in order to get in the SEAL training, you got to pass a 500-yard swim. And so I didn't have a car, and I would run three miles to the pool, jump in the shallow end, flail around, try to figure it out, like end up frustrated and run three miles back home. And I just showed up four days a week, just every day. Like, And, and my goal was to just get better and better and better. My goal wasn't like to have a fantastic swim day. My goal was to just get better. 
you know, just get better the next day. And so over time, you know, I got better and I eventually took the screening test, which, you know, 500 yard swim being a part of it. I, I failed it the first time. I didn't share that in the book because it would just be too much. And then I took the test again two months later and I passed it the second time. And that's when I got accepted in the SEAL training. However, I didn't know that in SEAL training, you have to swim with fins. Uh, right. That's right. totally I, a yeah, different thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just thought that I had to pass the 500 yard swim. And then when I got to SEAL training, like, if we had to swim, it wasn't yeah, timed. Yeah. Or I didn't know. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. you're not going to swim with fins. Yeah. And so I was like, I got there and on the first swim, I was just like, they put them fins on me and I got in that water and I was just like, what the heck are <laughs> yeah. these? Like, Plopping how do you down to the beach. <laughs> and I was kicking as hard as I could and not going anywhere. And that's when the instructors were just like, how do you show up to SEAL training and not know how to swim? And the funny thing was on the instructors expected me to quit. They didn't expect me to last. Right. Right. Cause like SEAL training is hard. As it is. Period. <laughs> and now, like, I'm showing up to this program unable to swim. Like, they're just like, this guy's not going to last a day. <laughs> and so every week I was there. Every day I yeah. kept showing up. And, you know, the thing, we had to do these two-mile time notion swims. And the time limit was 85 minutes. And I would be in that water for 120 minutes. The whole class would be done with the swim. For like, and you had a friend. You made a buddy. Who, yeah, Ty, I, yeah, Tyrone. Yeah. He ended up hitting the bell. Yeah, he quit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know him now? Yeah, we still were friends on Facebook. We yeah. still talk and stuff. He's a great guy. Great guy. Now well, let's talk about your yeah. love life. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. can I stop oh, for a minute? Because sure. he's, he's saying something that's really important for yeah. people to hear, I think. Yeah. And it's about the, the power of creating small, reasonable goals yeah. and continuing to increase and increase and increase your expectation Absolutely. of yourself. This yeah. idea of you going in the shallow end and just your goal was to just get better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, so many times even people read books like this and they yeah. think, oh, my God, he's just a natural born hero, no. which you are in some ways. Yeah. But in other ways, you're a human being who yeah. understood this notion of small goals yeah. and, and keeping the faith yeah. and having an imagination that drives your goal yeah. going forward, yep. you know, like Walt Disney did. Yeah, you know, absolutely. This idea of use your imagination to figure out the solution. Exactly. exactly. Um, and I just think that's really powerful. Yeah. I don't want it to get buried in the story. No, that's it's good. really and, powerful. Yeah. And you know, to me, that's not something that was somebody told me or that was learned in like a school. It was just something that naturally I just was like, this is what I got to do. Mm -hmm. I just need to keep pushing, keep trying and get better. Mm -hmm. And even in life today, I'm a writer now and I'm not a perfect writer, but I'm every day I'm like, I just you know, if you if I write one film, okay, this next film needs to be better. Yeah. You know, if I if I write one book, then my next book needs to be better. Many know? many so writers. Oh, he is. I've many writers that. say that writers is just about sitting down and doing it yeah, as it much is. as anything. It so. is. I have a, I have a saying when I'm writing films, like and I, I try to it just cross my mind when I get writer's blog or something. The script ain't going to write itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So you talked also about having a little a moment where you got. Uh, intrigued by being a seal and it was yeah. a film yeah um, it, were there films in your life that uh, moved you to become a performer and a writer for film you know i've always as far as a writer like as, as far as the whole acting thing the acting thing was never anything i wanted to pursue at all period i just literally received a phone call one day while i was in grad school and somebody said did you want to be in a movie and i was like sure <laughs> what's sure. the name of the movie transformers can you show up to set tomorrow sure like, that's how I got into Hollywood. That was it? That was it. That's I was insane. not trying to be an actor. I didn't have any desire to be an actor. Yeah. They were just looking for a former Navy SEAL who was uh -huh. African-American because they were looking for diversity. And, and so, that's how it happened. And so, again, it was a person, though. It was a person. Who was a this woman. person? 
a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm trying not to say her name, okay. but I, that's fine. What her, I think I named her name in the book. I changed her name in the book, but yeah, that's how I got into the film industry. Now, as far as a writer, I've always loved story. I truly believe that story has the ability to change lives. Story has the ability to save lives. There's so much power in just telling a story, not giving commentary, you know, just telling a story. Yeah, that vulnerability of telling the story too, right? And so, you know, after I wrote my book, I was just like, man, I want to tell more stories. Like, because I felt I I gained a confidence in writing from writing the book. So so that's how I kind of got into writing. And then there are a lot of films that have inspired me. Inception, I love Inception. I love Interstellar. I love deep movies, the Dark Knight series, I'm naming oh, mainly yeah. Christopher Nolan films for yeah. the most part, you know, Love Actually, that film. Mm-hmm. I like different films. You know, mm-hmm. I like, I have Breakfast, I've watched Breakfast in Tiffany's, oh my God, like uh, Casablanca. I just love stories and I love different types of stories. Yeah. I just want to tell stories. You know? Yeah, that's and, a really diverse list of kinds of films yeah. and all of them have the through line of strong story. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I wrote my first film that's getting ready to go to market now. It's an espionage thriller, um, but it's a powerful story. It's a, it's a redemption story. There's so many different elements in it. Do you so, write alone or do you collaborate? I write alone. I okay. can't. I cannot write with people. <laughs> I, that is just uh, like, it's, I, I don't know how... How people work in a writer's room, uh-huh. I just can't do it. Cause they do I, that. I think the writer's rooms are more for television. Television, yeah. I, I was reached out to like three weeks ago, and they like um, by some money industry, and they're like, we're looking for a writer with a military background. Would you like to work on this sh- on a show? And I was just like, no. No. I can't do it. Like when I have these ideas, like everything's in my head. I need to get everything in my head onto the paper. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get what's in your head onto the mm-hmm. paper. I want to get right. what's in my head onto the paper. I have a question for yeah. you. Are you introverted somewhat? It depends. I, I think I'm, I can be both. Mm-hmm. I think um, it, it, it depends on the season. It depends on what I'm doing. It depends on who I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. I could be introvert. Then I could be ex- extrovert. Because mm-hmm. so. the extrovert is obvious, you yeah. know, in this, you're very vibrant yeah. communicator, right? Yeah. yeah. But that comment about it's all in my head and I yeah. don't want to, you know, and I think that we don't talk enough about the introverted sides of ourselves Yeah, yeah. and honor them. A lot yeah. of times they're seen as like, like, oh, you're being selfish or you're being whatever. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it's not. No, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that I, there's a balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to lose you before we get to talk about your personal life. And I yeah. totally want to know about your family, yeah. your wife, your kids, yeah. where you live. You, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, please um, tell us everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I loved the backstory in the book about the women that you were involved with. Oh, yeah, was a lot of different and women. You have a little broken hearts out there. <laughs> yeah, I was a savage. Um, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I've been married for going on eight years. Wife's awesome. She's a she's a trooper. Um, How did you meet? Match dot com. Yeah, yeah. Match dot com. They need to come give me an endorse. Give us an endorsement. They deal should now. definitely <laughs> give you an endorsement. Hey, a doctor in the Navy SEAL meeting. Come on, yeah. right. you could get a lot of people to subscribe to your website with that kind of story, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, we've been married for eight years. Um, she's a great woman. Three sons, three boys. My oldest is five. Caden. My middle is about to be four, June 23rd, Caleb. And then my youngest is uh, uh, seven weeks, Carter. Seven weeks old? Seven weeks old. You have a brand new baby brand and you're out baby. and about? Yeah, yeah. My wife is having a fantastic time at home right now. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being facetious. but uh, Being a dad has got to be uh, Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It's unbelievable. It's a redemptive art for me, especially um, – you know, not growing up with a with a, with a father, and then now being a father of three sons. You know, so it's awesome. I love my kids; they're such great kids. Does your um, mom get to see your kids a lot? Oh yeah, yeah. She's out. She's in San Diego about twice a year. Mm-hmm. She's actually going to be out here in, in, in a few weeks. 
Maybe I'll tell her, come up here, jump on your podcast. Oh, yeah. Please do. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear her yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, her story is amazing. So you got you you went through this whole thing. You met this lovely woman. Mm-hmm. I know the story because I read the book, so yeah. I know a little bit about her. But you seem to have checked the boxes, mm-hmm. you know, the things that are valuable in in life, you know, stability, yeah. love, yep. success, yep. new career, yep. children. Yep. What's next for you? Writing. I mean, what's next for me is, is is now, like, I think this next phase, especially after the book is out, is getting into producing and, and creating films. You know, I've done the acting thing. I've consulted on films. And I, I just feel like that's my next chapter. I was just at a meeting earlier this week with a major studio um, that's interested in giving me a, a deal on my book and dealing with some other projects. So I think that that's the next phase for me. And I'm confident that I'm going to achieve what I'm setting out to achieve. Yeah. You said something about public education earlier, mm-hmm. too, and solving it. I feel like that's inside you, too. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I actually work with a nonprofit called uh, City Hope Now. It's the website. La Mesa City, City Hope, Hope, Hope Now. Yep. So if you go to C-I-T-Y-H-O-P-E-N-O-W now. Yep. yep. So if you go to cityhopenow.org, that's the website. You can get a bunch of information on there. But I deal with inner city kids at risk youth. I go to their schools. I speak to them, play basketball with them, spend time with them, mm-hmm. uh, talk to their teachers, talk mm-hmm. to the principals. They're getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, education is very, very important to mm-hmm. me. And, and I'm hoping, and it's funny because I've been getting contacted by a lot of schools around the country from teachers or principals who read the book and they're just like, hey, can you come to the school and speak or do this? And so, yeah, yeah, that there is something there. Um, I do have my master's in, in organizational strategy and I was accepted to a PhD program. But I turned that down. So you could still do that later. Yeah, just because of time. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I but if I went to go do a PhD, then I was considering like doing maybe like teaching classes online here mm-hmm. or there, mm-hmm. like once mm-hmm. in a while. Well you I can think- certainly do a master class. Have you seen this uh mm-hmm. this this organization, master class, Serena Williams? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. should great do for a that. Master yeah, class. I love to do that. I think the message of those small goals and how you broke things down is so great for kids. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. How do you eat an elephant? That's Three foot tosses is yeah. what I talk about with my kids. Nice. Don't try and do a 10 foot toss. Yeah, yeah. You have an overwhelmingly lovely way about you. Oh, really. Thank you. Thank it's you. really nice to be, you like glow. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. you. Know? We're so glad chill. to have had an opportunity yeah. to yeah. see you. Thanks no, so much. Thanks for having me. It's Remy. an honor oh, my and blessing God. to be on with you ladies. Thank you. And I love it. Well, and, it and, for, and for our readers, um, Remy's book is called, you want to tell us what your book is called? A Navy SEAL's unlikely journey from the throne of Africa to the streets of the Bronx, defying all odds. Beautiful. And mm-hmm. all of our listeners it's a great read. know that it's a great book. Oh, my God. It's so fast and so good. There you go. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Next time, you'll meet Robert Radcliffe, whose career includes more than $1 billion worth of home sales in the highly regarded upscale areas of Los Angeles, including Brentwood, Pacific Palisades, Santa Monica, and Malibu. Ranked in the top 1% worldwide, Rob has been leading the Radcliffe Group, his highly effective and successful supporting team that has been recognized yearly by the Wall Street Journal as one of the top 250 sales teams in the U.S., But it wasn't always like that. After overcoming an early life of strife that no one should have to endure, he made his way into real estate, became the author of two books, 12 Simple Steps to Loving Life, and the autobiographical 180 Degrees, which is his inspiring story of a once homeless kid addicted to drugs who turned sober and became a self-made millionaire by the age of 30. This is one incredible turnaround story. 
So let's find out how the heck he did it when we rewind to the beginning with Robert Radcliffe on the next Say It Forward. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 